Welcome to You Might Relate, a podcast where we take relationships and mental health to the next level. I am Stacy Heaps, a licensed clinical social worker, and I have been practicing therapy for the last 15 years. There are counseling concepts and stories that I am excited to share. When we know better, we do better. Together, let's get to a place of radical acceptance of where we are while improving relationships and tackling life's transitions, one therapy concept and one story at a time. So let's get started to see if you relate. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I don't know when you're listening to this, but I am so glad you're here. Today's topic, manuals. It's a little book of instructions that tells us how to do something. So we all have manuals for our kids. It's that little book of instructions that tells our people, our kids, how we expect them to behave. When I was a younger mom, my manual for my kids included them going to bed at 7.30, wanting to do fun crafts, putting away the toys they played with before they got the new ones out. And in my manual, it said that they would be potty trained by two years old. They would love vegetables, always use their pleases and thank yous, and that they would always be up for snuggling and reading books together. When these things wouldn't happen, I would be frustrated because they were not following my manual for them. And my manual for my teens went something like this. Be up for talking when I want to talk with you. Keep your room clean. Tell me about all your friends. Bring your friends to our house so we can meet them all. Get good grades. Dress how I want you to dress. Look adults in the eye when you are talking to them. (laughs) Etc. Etc. And I have a manual for my husband too, but that's a different episode. Here's the thing. When we have manuals for people, it makes us miserable. Those manuals are written in fine print, if they are written at all, and most of the time, they are not followed. When we have unmet expectations, we are disappointed, right? So disappointed. If we do tell our kids about our manuals, and they do follow it precisely, so number one, you have a unicorn, but you also might be raising a people pleaser, and someone who is complying to stay out of trouble is not someone who is developing into themselves. So this does not mean that we shouldn't ask our kids to do things or encourage them or parent them. No, we need to do those things. It just means that we don't need our kids to comply so our needs or happiness can be met. Sometimes we want our kids to comply because then it makes us look like we are accomplished parents. Our need to look like good parents, isn't being met because our kid is misbehaving. However, if we can learn to be happy and accomplished despite how our kids behave, then they can misbehave and it doesn't have to mean anything about us. So you know you have a manual for your kid. Just admit it. That's the first step. Hi, my name's Stacy Heaps. I have a manual for my kid. Anyway, that's the first step. And then the second is to try to drop it. Your manual for your teen, if you have teens, might start something like this. You should always be home on time. You should notice when I need help and help. You should have all your homework done before dinner. You should want to spend more time with the family. You should want to talk to me before midnight. 
You should wear your clothes without holes. You should not have to be reminded to wear your retainer. You should stay on top of your room and laundry. See all those shoulds in there? And that's, those are just general. How about tougher ones? You should have friends that I want you to be friends with. You should not get pregnant before you are married. You should not try smoking pot. You should not get in a fender bender or drive too fast. You should not skip school. When you drop your manual, your expectations could be you are a growing and developing teenager and you get to decide what your behavior is. And I get to decide the consequences or how I respond to your behavior. So see how we're taking back control. We are responsible for us. They are responsible for them to a point, but we also get to decide the consequences. When your two-year-old takes the truck out of another child's hands forcefully, you don't say, you shouldn't do that. You expect that he will do that and teach him about sharing and taking turns. He totally should have done that. How do we know? Because he did it. And now you get to choose how you respond. Same thing when he or she is a teenager. They were supposed to miss curfew. How do you know? Because they did. And now you get to decide how to respond to it. Teenagers are not going to follow your manual to a T, and they shouldn't. They are going to push limits, test boundaries, just like those two-year-olds, and that's what they should do, just like the two-year-olds should do. You get to respond. Let's see how we can respond in a healthy and helpful way. So the first thing is we have to be building a rapport and communicating with our kids right from the start. Have you heard the saying, they don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care? Find mutually enjoyable activities to do together. Hobbies, interests, spend time with one another, listen, share, remember their favorite things and surprise them once in a while. Text some funny memes to each other. Create traditions together. Get comfortable talking about feelings. Both of you. Okay, the next thing is prep work and communicating. There are hard topics to talk about with teenagers. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Friends, relationships, laws, protocols, the news, social advocacy. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can talk about. So think of the things that could happen to your kid and talk about those scenarios. Ask them what they would do in certain situations. What would you do as a response to what they would do and talk about it? We'll get into that in a second. And the other one is support your kid with boundaries and communication. Remember, boundaries are not threats. A threat looks something like, if I catch you drinking one more time, you will never drive the car again. A boundary looks like, the keys to the car will be in my possession until I can trust your actions. It's what you will do. Boundaries are for you, not for the other person. So support your kid in telling them what you will do in the event they get pulled over, in the event there is a fender bender, in the event you find out they are smoking or drinking underage, in the event one gets pregnant or gets someone pregnant. What will you do? And again, not a threat. I want to use these three principles and guide us through a scenario. It could be any scenario, but let's take a dramatic one. Your son comes home and tells you his girlfriend is pregnant and he is the father. 
Or your daughter comes home and tells you that she is pregnant from a guy that she's been into. So number one, we have the rapport. We are used to sharing our feelings. We listen. We reflect. We do mutually enjoyable things together. So this conversation is hard. It's hard for them to come tell us something that maybe they know that we'll be a little disappointed in. But they tell us anyway because we have built that rapport and that trust. Okay, so we've done that. The next one is we have communicated about sex. They roll their eyes when we bring up the six principles. They can recite it. They might even mimic us. That's okay. Should we just go through those real fast? We'll just do it. We'll talk about this in another episode, but maybe just this is a good place to put it in too. It can be in lots of places. Okay, the first principle is consent. Consent is voluntary cooperation. You are communicating permission. If you don't have consent, then it shouldn't happen. If you want to target young kids about consent, help them understand it, Google a short little YouTube video by typing in consent slash kids. And it will have this cute short little video. It's kind of in a turquoise color. And it's a little kid voice explaining consent to kids. But then if you want a more adult version of that same type of explanation, type in consent slash T, T-E-A. Now, the first two words of that video may need to be bleeped out. I'm just giving you that warning. But then after that, it is so good. Consent is a voluntary cooperation. You are communicating permission. If you don't have consent, then it shouldn't happen. And if your child comes home and says they are pregnant, you want to ask your child if this interaction was consensual, right? Okay, the second principle to healthy sex is, are you equals? There cannot be a power differential. So anyone that has power over you, like a boss or a clergy member or a teacher, coach, leader, someone much older, even a relative, of course, is a power differential. It's not healthy to exploit someone or using someone for sex. And if you are a teen, this is just my own little rule, so take it with a grain of salt. For me, it's a good rule of thumb to date people who, if you're a teen, who are within a year and a half of your own age. And before 25, within three years of your age. Before 35, seven years of your age. And after that, anything goes. It's your life as long as you give consent. <laughs> okay, the third one is to having healthy sex it has to be enjoyable for both parties. If someone isn't feeling well or they are in pain, they're tired, they don't enjoy a particular aspect of it, then communicating, accepting, and respecting is what needs to happen. It has to be enjoyable for everyone. The fourth one is it has to be safe. We need to ensure the safety of ourselves and of our partner. Protecting from STIs. It used to be STDs, right, when I was growing up, but they've changed it to STIs, sexually transmitted infections, HIV or pregnancy. So you want to protect against STIs, HIV, or pregnancy. This would also be communicating what infections we have had or what kind of protection we will be using. Everyone needs to be safe. The next one is honesty. This includes being honest with oneself and openly communicating with your partner about your experience, education, values, desires, what you're wanting out of the relationship in all the different ways. And the last one is shared values or at least a respect for those values. This is our personal feelings about what is acceptable and desirable behavior. Sometimes we spend so much time talking about health and reproduction that we don't talk about sexual practices and pleasure. 
We all may not have the same values, but with a sexual partner, it is important to communicate those values so we know if this is a match or not. So you have shared with them those six principles. You have shared with them your personal values, your standards regarding sex. You have read and reread the sex books. And you've also talked to them about what kind of grandparent you want to be. What kind of grandparent do you want to be? How involved in their daily life do you want to be? Do you want to watch the grandkids every day? Do you want to watch them on the weekend night or when the parents need a break? Do you want to see your grandkids every Sunday for dinner? Ask yourself and communicate that with your kid. Remember, we are using pregnancy as an example, but this could be about any topic. We want you to communicate your desires, needs, wants, and what your plans are if your kid gets in an accident, if your kid needs treatment for alcohol or drugs. What you are going to do if they want to live at home and play video games. You get to use this time before it happens to communicate how you see something playing out. It's a different kind of prepping. Instead of prepping for the world to end, you are prepping your kid for what your response will be if this or if this or if that happens. Again, don't make it a threat. A threat would be if you get pregnant, you are on the streets. It would be something more like, you know, I'm the kind of person, grandma, that wants to go to all the events of my grandkids. And I'm not the type to watch my grandkids all day during the day. If you were to get pregnant, something to consider would be who would be taking care of your child while you work. You have the rapport now. You have done the prepping. And they come and they tell you they are going to be a parent. Now you get to support them with boundaries. Support is such a vague word, isn't it? It could mean bearing all or part of the weight. It could mean giving assistance. And that assistance could be financial or providing a home or providing groceries or providing diapers. It could mean giving approval or comfort or encouragement. It could be actively interested and concerned for their success. It could even mean endure or tolerate. <laughs> See how support is so vague? We really want to narrow that word in when you're talking about a specific scenario with your kid. So another example is currently I have one child who drives. I support my child in driving like this. He pays us monthly for the use of a car. He pays for his own gas. We pay for his insurance as long as he keeps his grades at a certain level and agrees to run errands for us. Other people say, well, I support my kid driving by gifting them a brand new car and pay all of their expenses. Other people support their kid driving by letting them use my car if and when it is available. They pay their own insurance and they pay their own gas. See how there are different levels of support? In our scenario of a pregnant kid, you get to be clear on what you mean by support. I have had a fair share of birth parents tell me that they are going to parent their child because they have the support of their parents. They think support means that now they get to bring a cute little baby into their bedroom and that their parents will take care of both of their needs in all of the ways. And sometimes that is what the parent means. Other parents say that they support their kid, but that only means that they will encourage and cheer them on. 
but they are expected to be financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally caring for this baby. They are hands off. So know ahead of time, what would you do if you were in this position with your kiddo? Do you have a pattern of bailing them out of trouble? Do they expect that this will be more of the same? There is not one right answer for every scenario. For example, some of these kiddos that are now moms, maybe one mom who gets pregnant, she's in her 20s, she's going to college, she's learning a skill, working full time, nothing is going to get in her way. She hustles hard, she asks for assistance once in a while, but overall she is so responsible and makes a life for her and her child. Where another mom, same scenario, in her 20s, says, yes, my parents are supporting me. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I get to watch my favorite TV shows, go to lunch with my friends, dress up my little live doll. I'm living the good life. I'm entitled to the luxuries my parents provide for me. See? Different ways to support our kid. Our manuals for our kids are not always read by our kids because they're probably not even written down. Each time they don't follow the manual, it is actually a growing experience for us as parents as well as for them. It's not necessarily that they should or should not have done something. It's how do we respond to it when they do do that. We can grow in communication, setting and achieving goals, creating healthy boundaries, responsibility, creating the life and lifestyle that we want to have. Through crisis situations, we have the opportunity to get closer to one another, get closer to our kids. Ask yourself this question. Does your kid's crisis become your crisis? Do you have a habit of bailing them out? We want their problem to be their problem, for them to problem solve for it. You can help them with all the options because you have a rapport with them, you've done the prep, and now it's supporting them with boundaries. Our kids don't follow our manuals. To be fair, we don't follow the manuals they have for us either. One of my kids has a manual for me that I cook a hot breakfast every morning. Ugh, what a disappointment when it's cereal again. However, we can have a good rapport or work on having a good rapport, building a relationship of trust. We can prep for the hard stuff by continually communicating about it, talking about scenarios, playing the what-if game, what both of our hopes and dreams are, and we can be supportive of their choice while having boundaries and communicating those. Again, define support in each scenario. We can't control our kids. They can't always read our manuals. But these are the three things we can do and we can have control over. So then, when our kids do come and let us know something that they have done or not done that goes against our manual, lead with love. Lead with love. How do you do that? Well, remember to breathe. When all else fails, breathe. We don't want to activate the sympathetic nervous system and have them feel more in danger. We want to be a safe place, the calm in their storm. It's already hard for them to tell us. If it's something hard to hear, then breathe. Listen and reflect. Listen and reflect. Listen and reflect. Stay curious. Ask questions in a non-judgmental tone. Ask what they plan to do. Remember, this is not your problem. It's theirs. You don't want them handing the problem to you. 
keep it in their court, and keep your role to be a sounding board. If they want options, offer them, but don't solve for them. This is easily done because you have built the rapport, you've done all the prep work and communicated, and you already have boundaries in place, which have also been communicated. So breathe. This is their life experience. They will learn from it, and so will you. We don't need our kids to comply with our manuals in order for us to have happiness. We are in charge of our happiness. We are in charge of our response. We are in charge of our lives. Sometimes our kids are darling little chubby cheek babies will make decisions or they come with a disability or illness that we think will make us miserable. It doesn't have to. Our kids do not have power over our thoughts, emotions, and actions. We do. If you need some help with managing that, then get it. Lots of therapists out there. Just saying. Don't make your kid responsible for how you feel. That's what I have for you today. Have a great day and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining me today on You Might Relate. I hope this topic brought understanding and insight. And if you can relate to something in today's episode, subscribe and leave a review. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at You Might Relate Podcast. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. The more understanding we create, the better we are as humans. You are in charge of your day, so go make it a good one. Catch you next time.